Hey, welcome back to Writing is Hard Work. I'm Roger Colby, and this is my solo podcast. Um, I also do two other podcasts. One is uh, Southern Fried Christianity, where two evangelicals talk about all kinds of stuff has to do with the church and what we think about it. Um, also, I do a podcast called Three Cylinder Star Drive, uh, also with Richard Coots, um, and it's just kind of a science fiction fun podcast about nerdy stuff and bad movies. But today, guys, I want to talk about probably one of the best science fiction novels ever written, and that is Fahrenheit 451. Um, I teach this novel in class uh, in high school. Um, and I love teaching the novel because it's so much fun to read, and it's still so poignant. Um, I want to talk about a few things that uh, Fahrenheit 451, and specifically Ray Bradbury, had to say about writing in particular. Um, So basically what happened was I, I went through, and I was looking at the Fahrenheit 451 book that I have in my class, and in the back of it, there's like a, uh, an afterword um, written by Bradbury, which is kind of a retrospective on uh, his writing the book. And it, it had some really good points about his process and how he went about writing the book. Um, one of my favorite passages, before I get to that, one of my favorite passages from Fahrenheit 451 is in uh, the first part of the book. There's, it's in three parts. It's a salamander, sal, sand in the sieve, sand in the sieve, uh, I don't know. Uh, but this is in the first part of the book. And in it he writes, um, he starts, he's talking about what happened to their world. Because in their world they burn books, you know, because books are bad. And we need to burn them because, you know, it makes people think for themselves. And we can't have that. So in the book it says, uh, the explanation for how that happened was, he said, more sports for everyone, group spirit, fun, and you don't have to think, eh? Organized and organized and super organized, super, super sports. More cartoons and books, more pictures. The mind drinks less and less, impatience. Highways full of crowds going somewhere, 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 nowhere. The gasoline refugee. Towns turn into motels. People in nomadic surges from place to place. Following the moon tides. Living tonight in the room where you slept this noon, and I the night before. And it's really kind of prophetic. I mean, we've kind of gone there. I mean, my students that I have would rather spend time on Snapchat than read a book. And it seems like reading is becoming less and less important in our culture, which really is kind of scary because, uh, and you can tell too whenever you look at, you know, um, news and stuff. There's there's all this fake news and stuff and things that are not true that people don't research and don't believe. They believe things that they don't research. Um, so basically, um, I'm going to go into he he's he's basically created this prophetic book, and it's wonderful to read. Uh, if you've never read Fahrenheit 451, I suggest you do. It's a fantastic novel. Um, but I'm going to go basically over five of these things that he talks about in the forward, afterward, that, um, and kind of retrospectively looking back at writing uh, Fahrenheit 451. Um, 
First of all, he thinks that writing is definitely a struggle. Um, he wrote the first 25,000 words in nine days on a dime rental typewriter in his local library where you have to put like 10 cents in the typewriter and the timer is going to run for 30 minutes and he had to furiously type away at his novel. Um, all the while that he's doing this, he's kind of living hand to mouth with his wife and two girls. And he writes that uh, uh, he was thus dr twice driven by children to leave home and by a typewriter timing device to be a maniac at the keys. Um, so for him, writing was a literal struggle to write this book. And what's amazing is that he wrote this in such a manner because the book is incredible. Um, the second thing is writers... You, if you're going to be a good writer, you need to be a good reader, and you need to love books. Um, Bradbury wrote Fahrenheit 451 in the library between 30-minute intervals, like I said. Um, but whenever he would, in between those intervals, he would uh, go down through the library, as he says, quote, lost in love, down the corridors, and through the stacks, touching books, pulling volumes out, turning pages, thrusting volumes back, drowning in all the good stuffs that are the essence of libraries. He says he wrote, he wove through those books, um, and he wove those books into the passages in Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 451. Um, for example, he said he turns Robert Shaw into a robot so as to conveniently stow him aboard a rocket and wake him up on the long journey to Alpha Centauri to hear his prefaces piped off his tongue into his delighted ear. He uses his love of reading great books to inform and enhance his own stories. Um, and it makes me want to write my next book in the local library. Um, but <clears throat> I think because he wrote the book in the library, um, and it was a book about books, you know, and about the importance of books and the importance of knowledge. It was kind of apropos that he wrote the thing in a library. Um, the third thing that he, he says is that we have to write books people must read. Um, and he actually wrote a play based on Fahrenheit 451. And his, afterward he describes a scene he wrote for the play that did not occur in the original novel. Um, the scene takes place in Fire Chief... Faber's home, where Faber takes Montag into a hidden room filled with wall-to-wall -wall books, and Montag exclaims, "But you're the chief burner. You can't have all the books on your prim have books on your premises." And the chief says, "It's not owning books that's a crime, Montag. It's reading them." Yes, that's right. I own books, but don't read them. Uh, Faber said he used to read. He he used to read. Um, it, would, it would gnaw on the bindings and carry carried so many home he would hunch back for be hunched back for years. Um, Montag then presses him, asking him what made him stop reading, and Faber replies, why life happened to me. And it seems like that's kind of what happens to us, right? I mean, we, we read, but then life kind of happens to us and we quit. Like, oh, there's a kid's soccer game or there's some, you know, too many distractions, Netflix and all this other stuff. But you know what? You need to sit down and read. Um, right now, I'm reading a book by Stephen King. 
um, called The Outsider, and not to be confused with The Outsiders, but this is a really fantastic book, and it's kind of all a little bit outside of King's wheelhouse, it seems, when you first read it, because it's more like a murder mystery. Um, but just fantastic. But I would say that, you know, if you're going to be um, a good writer, you need to be a reader. If, if you're not reading and you're writing, you're not seeing good sentence structure, you're not seeing good grammar, you're not seeing good spelling, or uh, you're not seeing very good diction. Um, so you need to go and read. Um, don't go back. That's the fourth one. Um, there's several times that I've wanted to go back and change something that I wrote in one of my books. Um, Bradbury addresses this in his afterword because he discusses Francois Truffaut's film version of Fahrenheit 451, um, which, honestly, I really don't like that version of the film, um, of the book. But Bradbury writes, I felt the, na- the same need to save her, for after all, she, verging on silly starstruck clatter, chatter, was in many ways responsible for Montag's beginning to wonder about books and what was in them. He's talking about Clarice. Um, in Truffaut's film, Clarice is not killed, but is seen with the book people at the end and is reunited with Montag. But really, I think that ruins it because her death is what sends him over the edge. Um, he also writes, uh, I don't believe in tampering with any young writer's material, especially when that young writer was once myself. <laughs> so you do learn from what you did. I mean, I look back at what I wrote 10 years ago, you know, but, and I'm like, oh man, I could rewrite that and make it better. But it's what I was then, you know, it's not, I don't think I would want to write the same thing I wrote 10 years ago. Um, the fifth thing and the final thing is brilliance lies in the subconscious. And Bradbury writes in the final paragraph of the document about what it's like to go back after 30 years and reflect upon his famous novel. He states, quote, I write all of my novels and stories, as you have seen, in a great surge of delightful passion. Only recently, glancing at the novel, I realize that Montag is named after a paper manufacturing company. And Faber, of course, is the maker of pencils. What a sly thing my subconscious was to name them thus and not tell me. So there's a lot of little things you find out um, after going back and reading something that you wrote that can, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, I had no idea I did that, you know. Um, I've written some stuff like that before and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, have people point this stuff out that I didn't even know I did, you know, it was kind of subconscious. Um, turned out well. I mean, it, it was like, were you really intending to do this? Yes. No, I wasn't. <laughs> so, um, but you know, just write on, just keep writing. Uh, that's the main thing. And remember, since this, and this is, we're guessing we're getting to the end of this episode here. Remember that, uh, my motto is writing is hard work, but also, uh, writer's block doesn't exist. So until next time, I'm Roger Colby, and this has been Writing is Hard Work. <laughs>